We wish to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of the land we record this podcast on, the Yuggera people and their continued connection to the land and waterways of Yuggera country. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Hello and welcome to The Sports Social, bringing you the joy, humanity and heartbreak in this week of sport. Hello, Georgie. Hello, Libby. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am rested. I've had lots of sleep, which is unusual for me. Yeah, that's nice. Mm. What did you get up to over the weekend? Uh, we visited the children's hospital for a case of croup. Oh, seriously going around everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I looked at you at that point for croup, knowing that your family has just had that. Everyone's had it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm always very grateful to live so close to very high quality hospital. It's helpful in times it's like those. very helpful. <laughs> but otherwise, I got to go to 40th, which was fabulous and see friends that I haven't seen for ages and... Just had a lovely day at home yesterday and yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I had my 20 year school reunion. Did you? I didn't even know that was happening. On Saturday. You did not tell me that you were going to that. It was slightly terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Such an introvert. You didn't even. Oh God, I'm so introverted. I, you know what? I would rather talk to people about their deep, dark secrets. (laughs) Than make small small talk. talk. That to me is a nightmare. Wow. <laughs> like tell me about all of your past traumas. <laughs> Let me feel all the feelings. I want to feel your feelings. I want to feel my feelings. I want to feel our feelings together. But don't make me talk small talk with you. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, it was actually great. I was going to say, was it one of those things that you built up in your mind that would be like horrendous and then you got there and you're like, oh, this is actually quite delightful. Yeah. And I, to be honest, I think everyone had that. Yeah, because <laughs> nobody turns up to this thing thinking, I'm going to rock this party. Um, this is going to be awesome. No. Like everyone's like super nervous about how everyone's going to be and, you know. And it was and actu- also you turn up to those things and everyone's like, oh, what have you been up to? Um, I've been winning gold medals. Also, that was <laughs> ten, like, no, that was my 10-year anniversary. <laughs> You're like my worst nightmare. <laughs> that was my 10-year anniversary. I haven't done anything for 10 years. You can, but that, that is – that is your thing for life. Like you can just roll that out. Oh, did like did you wear them? Yes. Just a reminder, everybody. On I was someone necklace. really fancy. <laughs> um, no, it was actually really great. And like, it's funny because you go to those things and you have your, your closest friends that yes. you might still be friends with, or the ones they that are you your spent. security blanket. That you oh, just like, totally. Don't my leave me. My friends don't Jess and me. Casey. I was like, do not leave me. You have to be next you to me at all times. If you walk away. But I actually spoke to. You know, the cool girls. Of course you did. And the smart girls and the musical girl. Like you speak to everyone like 20 years later. Because you're grown up. Because we're grown ups <laughs> and we don't care so much. Right. And everyone's actually quite lovely. So, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, did, I forgot to mention that yesterday I unexpectedly ended up watching the race that stops the nation or part of the nation, which is Bathurst. Oh. I was like, I don't think the horses no, are No, but for some sections of our community, that is their race. They don't watch the horses. They That's watch the cars. That's their jam, man. What is it? The hill? Yep. Race of the hill? Mm. Hill race. No, still haven't got that. No. Jason. Jason. Oh, oh, Jason. I brought a mic today. <laughs> <laughs> 11 episodes in, Thank Jason. goodness for that, Jason. <laughs> Finally got audio. Isn't it King of the Mountain? King of yes. the Oz, close. It was not a hill, it's a mountain. Yeah. 
bit bigger than a hill, but it is. It cool. is. It is a hugely long track. So Bathurst on Saturday, they predicted or and they possibly received up to a hundred mils of rain. Which when oh, you're wow. racing for a long time on, you know, a black road and it's a black road, bitumen <laughs> road. <laughs> when you're racing, as opposed to the blue roads out there. <laughs> A dirt road, I guess, was what I was thinking in my head, which could be a bit more grippy. But when you're on the bitumen and it's there's 100 mils of rain, it's pretty lethal. And they had to cancel like a – I think they call it a shootout. I learned Ooh. so many new terms. But they had to cancel the shootout, which I gather is sort of for how you establish pole position and where you are on the grid. Oh. They had to cancel that because it was so treacherous. Okay. And people were just sliding off the roads left, right and center. So how did they choose who started where? I guess based on your times, your qualifying times. Okay. But – it was actually pretty fascinating to watch. There were crashes. I think they had eight safety cars in total for the entire race, Poss- possibly a record. Wow. And like key drivers were getting flicked out very early on because they I was love that you watched Bathurst. Like I, I just can't get over it. I that. actually <laughs> called our father-in-law because he loves racing. And he loves does. Cars and I was like, Will, talk me through this. What does this mean? Like, why are there two drivers? And it's because... Why are there two drivers? Because yeah, there's 161 laps. It takes like... Oh, so it's like a eight team. hours. It is a team, but you have a lead driver and then Oh, you have, so kind of like cycling where they're yeah, like, cy- like, like Tour yeah, de France, like yeah. they cycle in teams, but then there's like the main guy yeah. who they're all trying to get to win. I think so. Yeah. And so there's definitely the person who's the key driver and then you have so like... like Craig Lowndes would have been a lead driver and his person Who was knows? someone else. Someone else. Yeah. Or Mark Scaife. That's also Look someone I know. some depth on. I've got two. <laughs> I've got none. I've got two names. I, I could not tell you a name. Who won? They, they. Stephen? What, what stuck Hold in on. my head was that they were a Red Bull team. Red Bull. Shane. Red Bull is everywhere. Red Bull is everywhere. But they, I mean, they're all in, in all the high adrenaline dangerous sports like that's what they love they froth on that the mclaren boss was there oh old mate from the f1 yes i don't know his name zach 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 brown no he's a singer oh zach brown zach brown <laughs> i know <laughs> f1. <Nailed it. laughs> we don't know anyone from bathurst but we know f1. We're, look we're just into f1 that's okay we can't okay. be across all the cars we can't um so he was there he is a co-owner of one of the teams and actually of the team that won last year and oh, i cool. think they placed second yesterday but so he wasn't at uh, the race in Japan. He oh. instead was at Bathurst. So it's a big deal. It's an international that feels car like race. A, a very interesting choice. No, I think because I also learned this weekend that Toto and the Ferrari man- uh, captain, whatever they manager, call, manager, yeah. he they also weren't at the Japan oh, F1. How come? I don't know. Maybe annual leave. I don't know. We've <laughs> spoken about this before. <laughs> What did you take time off? Not in the F1 season? Oh, it's a long season. Okay, I think they'll be all right. No, it do. doesn't go all year. They still follow the race. They're still talking to the teams, but they're not on site. It seems very important that they should be there. I bet Christian's always there. He's always there, as if he'd miss it. He'd just fly and Jerry Gunter, out. Like- he'd just fly Jerry out on that <laughs> jet. Jerry's there with him side Or by Geraldine. Side. Ger- oh, as he calls her. Cute. Not Jerry Halliwell. <laughs> Not Ginger. Not Ginger. No, she's not a Spice Girl to him. She is Geraldine. She is Geraldine. So we have to start talking about the T20 World Cup. Because it's starting this Sunday. This Sunday. So yes. there's 45 games across a four-week period. It's a lot of games. And 16 teams in total. Yeah. So there's a lot of cricket coming up, which, to be honest, 
I'm happy about because you love cricket. Well, yes, and we've also had a lot of football. Yes. So I think it's time for other sports to get their turn now. But you can you can admit that you love cricket. I do love cricket. Yeah. I just I played like cricket I accept at that in you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't know it was offensive to you that I like cricket. <laughs> no, it's not offensive. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a it's a an acquired taste. Oh, I I think there's so much. I love watching cricket. I just think all it, forms. Yep. Do you have a preferred form? Look, it depends what I'm trying to do. If there's a test match on, I'll just have it on in the background. Yeah. And and I'll listen to it on the ABC oh, if I'm driving cr- around. Okay. <laughs> Livy's like, I barely know you. How are we even friends? <laughs> Again, yeah. I still love you. <laughs> I think it could be worse things that I'm admitting. Could be. I oh, know. I mean, it's I, right I, up there. I love listening. <laughs> <laughs> so judgy. I know. Um, no, I, I. so test cricket, I think the thing I find hardest is that nowadays there's so much cricket mm. during summer. Yeah. It's keeping track. So now I've just learned. I just follow the Brisbane Heat. I don't try and watch all the T20 cricket. Cause Did you used to try and watch all the well, T20? Well, like I just try and dip in and out and it's there's too many teams to follow. There's too many yeah. formats. So, like, do you have a preference though? Like, As a kid, I loved a day-nighter. Okay. I think there's nothing more exciting than watching okay. a day-nighter and it gets down to the final two overs and, the you know, Australian cricket team's got to hit 26 runs off eight balls or something. Mm. That. Oh, could that watch fires that. you up. Oh, I'm so excited about that. <laughs> You're just looking at I me like, that's cool. I'm, what are you talking about? I feel like I'm getting to know you. It's great. <laughs> just all the depths of you. But we have an expert yes. who we can I mean, talk look, to. I, compared to me, you are the expert. Yeah, and that's, But we have that, an I even mean, better expert. And that is the scary. <laughs> I am not. But there are people out there who know a lot more about cricket than us. Yes, we are very lucky. Friend of the show. We have former Australian cricketer and the Pakistan team mentor in Matt Hayden. Hi, cricket. How are you? <laughs> oh, thank you. No one's referred to us as a collective before. <laughs> I it's like quite it. Nice. The, two, the two T's, the time trialers. Yes. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> How are you? The T20's kicking off this weekend. Is it? How's it all shaping up? Well, they're not here yet, so I can't do much good with them. Then they're in New Zealand. They're in the land of a thousand million clouds. So they get over here on the 15th, and and then we sort of start our, our run into that huge match, which will be at the MCG on the 24th. So, yeah, big. I mean, India, Pakistan, that's sort of the penultimate of any kind mm. of cricketing tournament. You get two cricketing nations of 250 million Pakistanis. And wow. 1.4 billion Indians, and I'm not sure any one of them don't love or follow cricket. So, wow. so um, it's a huge tournament, yeah. Are you expecting a big turnout down at the MCG for that first match? It'll be packed, no doubt. I mean, you just can't believe the euphoria of spectators down there, honestly. It's just phenomenal. And there's a huge community of both India and Pakistan expats living here. I think the latest census show that there was 800. 50,000 Indians alone, you know, which when you think about it, sort of one twenty-sixth of the population, basically. Wow. Um, so, yeah, we've got, it's going to be huge, no doubt about it. Huge. Matt, <laughs> huge. Matt, what huge. is your role? You're the Pakistani mentor. What does that actually mean your role is with this World Cup? This is going to be a polarising comment, but it's 
do you and don't you like the Star Wars <laughs> series? I love Star Wars. Yeah, let's go with it. Uh, okay, just roll with it. I'm like Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> and, and quite frankly, I actually don't look dissimilar to it at the moment, so it's probably, <laughs> probably fitting. <laughs> yeah, so my, my mentoring role is a, it's a broad role. It's a bit like occupational therapy. You can go across about a thousand different allied health spaces. But, mm. um, I mean, I think in essence, it's just having a representative of Australian conditions and, and I almost feel like my role in that is to debunk certain myths around the venues, the expectations, and just trying to go into that event with a very simple approach. For example, one of the things that foreign players really struggle with in this country is the pace and the bounce of the wickets. Mm. In the last decade, pretty much all the wickets, with the exception of the Gabba, have all been transformed into drop-in wickets. So, What that, does that mean, Matt, drop-in wickets? <laughs> I love this. These are simple questions which everyone assumes. Every 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 different sport's got its own little vernacular, hasn't it? Yeah. So drop in wickets, uh, wickets that, and you'll often hear the AFL players complaining about Sydney because it's one of the few remaining wicket squares and wicket blocks that's unchanged. So in other words, what they jump around on in the winter is what what cricketers play on in the summer. And so drop-in wickets are a completely different ball game. So what happens is they prepare those wickets in big planter boxes wow. at a location outside the venue. The footy season gets played, and then those wicket blocks get lifted up and they get literally um, dropped in. Um, they get dropped back into the actual square itself, and then the curators take over from there and prepare the wicket. But Fascinating. One of the things that that does is that the profile of the wicket is only the the, the the length, breadth and depth of the actual box itself. So you find that it's got quite a hollow sound and it's not as hard and responsive as citizens that have had a hundred years of preparation, rolling, you know, redoing, etc. So the GABA and the SED are those two venues which have remained unique to cricket and and so therefore there is a bit to address when when a rift players are playing at those venues because they they don't lose the bounce. So when the ball is bowled, because obviously in baseball it's just a flat sport through the air. Yeah. In cricket it hits, hits the ground. So when it hits the ground, that's what you're really looking for as a bowler and a batter to understand. Well, okay, does it lose pace off the wicket? Does it gain pace off the wicket? Does it bounce more? And does it hold its bounce? And and if so, for how long? So there's a bunch of different factors, you know, that come into play. And, and my role will be to, to say, hey guys, well, at the end of the day, it's a cricket ball. However, you might want to think about these scoring areas. If your strength is that area, I think that'll be suited on a particular day. Matt, of all the teams playing in the T20, you're obviously going to be firmly backing Pakistan. But who else should be, we be watching? Who else should we be looking out for? Uh, the big four, really, you know, that sit outside India, Pakistan, uh, Australia, South Africa, England. I mean, those and New Zealand, I mean, those those sort of four nations outside of the really huge nations like India and Pakistan are always a chance. And the main reason why is because in Australia's circumstances, we just have such a good grassroots program. The kids even, you know, at the age of, you know, Tommy, our youngest, who's 15, they're sort of sorted into pathways programs and they're getting extra help and support. Um, and they're really elevating their skill sets and, and they're really swept up in a system that 
promotes and produces uh, high-performance cultures. So we've got a heavy weight on our pathways. They're very, very solid. Um, and there's substantial investment into those pathways as well, which allows the game to prosper at community and club level. And so it, it just scoops up the very best of the best. But same can be said of, of England. I mean, I think they've had a, a struggling system for a fairly long time because it's you know, very much based on a private uh, model, you know, like only private schools play the game. They haven't really embraced that sort of football model, which is very, very, very grassroots. And there's, I think they've suffered as a result of that. South Africa have, you know, extreme difficulties in their pathways because they have such huge racial tensions, um, unfortunately, that still exist. Um, and they really struggle to, to kind of get, get that piece sorted um, in their own, in their own backyards. New Zealand have a flourishing community of cricketers, as they do footballers. Um, they always punch above their weight. They're current Test Championship holders. So, you know, they've got... There's there's really good competition in the C20 cricket, and they're also global players because they trot off all over the world playing franchise competitions pretty much all year round. So they're at the height of their game. So it's going to be close. I mean, Australia is current World Cup holders, so they're in there in their backyard, and I think they'll be feeling good about that. England have had had a red hot uh, one day and T20 uh, cricket team. Um, luckily, they're rubbish in test cricket, which means we smash them every time in the ashes. But um, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty red hot in the shorter versions of the game. So plenty, plenty of really good, strong competition. It'll be a great tournament. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm going to be going for Australia at <laughs> the World Cup. Yeah, mate. So, well, so will I. I mean, the thing is, <laughs> it's, it's, it's obvious that, you know, that Australia is my home. Um, yes. I'm there to do a job and but, make sure that. And it's the a boys great job. Really, it's a really. I think it's an important job to help other teams come in and play the best that they can mm. play. And now my second team is Pakistan yeah. because <laughs> Matt <laughs> Hayden is is Yoda. There you go. <laughs> so, there you go. The CPs are all over it. That's it. Thank you so much, Hados. That was absolutely yeah. brilliant. We, uh, I mean, we my, learned so much. My brain is exploding with information about cricket that I, I had no idea about. So thank you so much for your time and your generosity with your knowledge. Yeah, no worries. I, I usually tell these stories around the dining table with my kids, and they're all snoring. So thank you. For <laughs> oh, we're fascinated. <laughs> yes, we were hanging on every word. So thank you so oh, yeah, much. Yeah. All right, see you. Bye. Bye. That was awesome. He is just one of life's lovely, like just such a good human. I interviewed him for all that glitters and he uh, he could just talk for hours. And like he's so, for someone who obviously is a legend of cricket in Australia and, you know, would be so incredibly busy with life because he's got, you know, three kids, family, business, like he's busy. Yes let alone with all of his cricketing commitments, like he just is so generous with his time mm. always and that to me is just a sign of a good human. Mm. And I love how connected he is with the subcontinent around cricket and what it means to them and I, and I think it's – I love how the Australian cricketers go and experience India, go and experience the IPL and then come back and are so um, passionate about what cricket is and – and what it is at a grassroots level in a place like India or Pakistan? Mm, absolutely. For someone who doesn't like cricket that much, that was actually a very interesting and conversation. And now we understand about the pitches. Well, and now I might actually go and watch it and go, well, that's a drop-in pitch. <laughs> Can you 
imagine it's turning to the person. Did you know? Did you know? They just drop that in. It's just like forklift drop. Did you know that the Gabba is part of, part of that real history and heritage where they've just been playing for hundreds of years on that pitch? It was reminding me. Do you remember? <laughs> I don't think he said hundreds of years. No, he did say it for over 100 years. Well, there you go. No, no, he did. Okay, so I didn't make I, that up. It did make me rem- um, think about, and I realise as I'm telling you this, you, you might not know this, but at the start of every test match, mm-hmm. uh, they think, stick a key in yeah, or something. they would go down and stick the old car key in and just see what the... What's happening? was like, but I never realised it was because it was like 100 years old. And like the pleasure of this podcast is that people can go away and go, I don't know if you know this, but a drop-in pitch sounds a bit more hollow. So keep an ear out for that. <laughs> you sound real profesh. <laughs> we know what we're talking about. Right. We need to change tact. Okay. Let's do it. Um, we mentioned before about Red Bull being into extreme Sports, yes, and one of those extreme sports is cliff diving. Yes, or I don't even know if cliff diving is the right word because this week a video went out of Rhiannon. If oh, what's her last name? Can you look that up yes. while I'm talking? Looking it up. Um, jumping out of a helicopter into the into Sydney Harbour. Rhiannon. Ifland. Ifland. Thank Rihanna you, Ifland. Um, we need to get Kim a microphone now. <laughs> Orders fourth microphone for team. Um, jumping out of a helicopter into Sydney Harbour for the uh, finals of the Red Bull World Cup diving. They've been all around the world. So you might have seen pictures of divers near the Eiffel Tower, divers mm. off amazing bridges in Europe into these gorgeous rivers and lakes and all this sort of thing. And this is the final stop. They have in Australia. They're building a platform in Sydney Harbour. I mean, it will probably be in front of the Sydney Harbour Bridge because that's a great shot. This is, I mean, that's what's really cool slash interesting about cliff diving is that because it it seemed for a really long time that it was like literally cliffs, like they would just find high, (laughs) high places around the world that people can go and jump off into water, as the name suggests. As it suggests, but now they're like custom making platforms for people to jump off in you know iconic locations mm. it's fascinating it's cool super cool I love how Red Bull gets behind these quirky not quirky but just sports. it's pretty quirky dude <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean it is <laughs> let's go I find watch. the highest thing that we can jump off and fall into and water flip backwards yeah. and flip 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 and oh, just imagine if you got it wrong oh yeah no thank you no there's <laughs> They're so fit. They're so talented, these people. I'm really glad as well that divers can go on and do this sort of sport and they mm. get profile and they get recognition and hopefully they get, get paid. paid. Yep. Imagine that as an athlete. Can we talk about Red Bull for one more second? Of course. In a different context? Yes. Our favourite context? <laughs> they won. They won. Well, no, well, not the constructors. No, but. The Drivers' Championship. It, I mean, gosh, they are cl- they've got to be close to winning the Constructors' Championship. Yeah, I think. Well, uh, no, it's mathematically possible for Ferrari to still get in there. So for those who didn't hear over the weekend, Max Verstappen took out the World Championship for F1. So yes. he obviously races for Red Bull. His racing partner, Sergio Perez, is currently in second place. Oh. Um, Charles Leclerc from Ferrari is third, I'm pretty sure. I think Leclerc, Leclerc actually crossed the line first. He did, but, but he got, got a five-second penalty. penalty. Oh, that's hollow. Jace, 
Jason. It was definitely oh, five seconds. No, Jason saying Leclerc f- finished second. He finished second. <laughs> Fact checked he, on the spot. He cut off Perez. In yeah, the he last cut off. Corner. Oh, it was Perez. I yeah, was no, no, he cut video. off. No, he cut off Perez. Oh. But that's the only reason Max Verstappen became world champ because Max Verstappen needed to be first plus fastest lap, which gives you an extra point. Oh. And so he, and he the, didn't get fastest lap, yeah. so he needed Charles Leclerc to be third or lower to win the world oh. champ. And so he was. Oh, and so it happened. And so it is. The 2022 world champion. I was too champion. busy watching V8 supercars whipping around <laughs> in Bathurst. <laughs> You're like, who's that guy? <laughs> like, that's a Red Bull car. That I was trying Go to- Red Bull. <laughs> yes. So, yes, very exciting news out over the weekend. Yes, that is cool. I didn't – interesting. I mean, Drive to Survive next year is going to be epic. Oh, I just can't wait. Oh, and Daniel Ricciardo, you put on our socials. He's confirmed. It's confirmed. Come from the horse's mouth that he. Well, he kind of said, he was like, it looks like I'm not going to be there in 2023. It's obvious that the deals, the offers aren't forthcoming. No. I'm seeing NASCAR. Maybe that's in his future. Maybe he'll just take a year off. Maybe he'll have a gap year. Well. That's very. It's a very good thing. That's a nice. It's a, it's a very trendy thing. To an do. Aussie thing. Yeah, we love a gap year. Yeah, and he seems well loved. Like Zach Brown was very complimentary to Ricardo and saying yeah. how he loves. He his seems spirit. like a dude. Like yeah, I mean he's made some poor decisions, but that's okay. We still love him. We're, we're and we'd love to talk to you. <laughs> still, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I really think you don't like us after how much we've bagged your decision making. <laughs> but also, what would we know? But what would we know? Cheating is hot right now. Oh, yes. And I, love I am so into these stories. I have not <laughs> spoken to you about this all week because I wanted to talk to you about it here and I thought if I call you, we'll have the conversation then we'll forget to have it here. Yeah. So mm. there are three stories going three. on. Three? There's three. I know of one. Going on in the US. The first, mm-hmm. fishing. I love this so How much. How can you cheat in fishing? You can. Well, because you just go out in a boat and they don't see you for eight hours. It's not like they're watching you. You know, don't you have to get the fish? Yeah. So you catch the fish and then if you want to cheat, you put lead weights into the fish. Shut up. Yeah. Or you put extra fillets into the fish. How do you put extra fillets in there? I don't know. I guess you're jamming them down, down their throat. Fish. I know. So these two guys, fishing is, I guess, in some regions, a very competitive sport. There's prize money up for grabs. These two dudes all season had been – Apparently cheating, and everybody was right for it. Fishy, <laughs> about, that. about the fact that these guys kept winning, and they just couldn't work out what was going on. And because they are they like tiny fish, and they're like oh, ten kilos. They called the, the the fish in this competition were walleye. I don't know what a walleye is. Mm. I I got who would know? They're fish, but all throughout the year, they their competitors were like something's up. This mm. doesn't sit right. You cannot keep winning. Anyway, they get to the last event of the season at Lake Erie, which is in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm. And they go out, they bring back their catch. It's all being weighed. And for some reason, and possibly because all this speculation had been going on all season, the official decided he would fill it, one of the fish, just to check. Check, because apparently a walleye has a sort of – Say it's a, a walleye is usually eight ounces, and they'd weighed this fish, and it was like fifteen ounces. Mm. And and everyone who's a fisherman who catches this fish is like, not possible. It's a very large walleye. That's not how it rolls. <laughs> it's too big. So he weighs the fish. It's fifteen. He fillets the fish, and he's like, 
we've got weights, we've got weights. <laughs> and the crowd just erupts and there's a brawl. The police, there's a brawl? Yeah, because it's competitive and they've all been. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, they, they said it was so lucky that the police were there because otherwise things could have really got nasty. I love this is sport at its finest. So these two guys are now up for felony fraud. What? Yep, charges because it's competitive. It's there's prize money. They've cheated and possibly environmental charges because they've stuffed weights into the mouths. Yeah, I would like, you know, animal cruelty. Yes. That's terrible. So that's cheating story number one. Amazing. Cheating story number two, chess. This one I know about. This is us. This is just. This sport. is my favorite story I've ever heard. I think Elon Musk has even weighed in on this, which I just don't. I don't understand what he has to do. with He just this. likes to he weigh just in has on things. Opinion. <laughs> now I'm going to look at my notes here because chess is not a sport I'm across. Yes, I mean Unless some question are, it is a sport, but that's okay. So Hans Newman, who's 19, uh, is an American chess grandmaster. Yes, he all of a sudden has been winning a lot, and one of the chess online gaming type platforms did an investigation Ooh, into his play, deep dive into his online play and pulled out a hundred instances where they thought he had cheated and he came back and said yes when I was 12 and when I was 16 I cheated online at chess but I have never cheated over the board <laughs> so that's 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 my limit yeah yeah <laughs> that's my boundary guys anyway Magnus Carlson was playing him the other day and they did there was like one play, one move, and he just said, No. This is over the board. I'm not playing anymore. You're cheating. Ooh, how did he game. know? He and just, how do you cheat in chess? Well, so Hans Newman said he was happy to strip down to demonstrate that he could not be cheating. He didn't have any devices on him. Mm-hmm. And this is when the internet decided to blow up and suggest that he had some sort of anal probe <laughs> that was communicating to him what his next move should be. <laughs> I am so happy that you said anal probe. Oh, it, it hurts my soul. I just like because I was going to say butt plug. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm going to be mature about this. These anatomical terms. Yeah, because apparently there was something up his bum. Yes, that. Someone else. He denies these claims. Obviously. Allegedly. allegedly. Someone else was giving him Morse code <laughs> in his vibrating <laughs> anal probe. We're so to mature. Communicate what move to do next? Oh, it's high stakes chess. <laughs> I mean, look, part of me goes, that's a commitment. Also, I have no words. Is it I possibly have... a kink? Oh, Who's to say? No. Oh. Moving on, <laughs> because where else can you go? Where can you go with that? Uh, the third scandal is in the world of poker. Oh, so poker, surely there would be so much cheating in poker. Uh, it's surprise. It's not surprising, is it? Poker is actually broadcast. That that was surprising for me. I oh was, no, that doesn't surprise me. No, oh that. no, the Americans would froth. How that. boring! Just people it's sitting not- around with their cards, <laughs> their sunglasses on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like you've seen the clip for this because apparently <laughs> this lady, her last name is Lou, called, now called as in called, like said, I'm going to call you on your cards. Mm. Um, and her opponent 
had like a cracking hand and sort of it played out for a bit further, but she called his bluff and she won Mm. and everyone just went, no, nobody who's holding your cards makes those calls that you're making. They can't actually see any footage of her Ah. cheating. They've done an investigation. This is the part I love the most. So they've done this investigation and while they can't unpack whether or not she cheated, and there's a few calls to say, are we just saying that it, that she cheated because a woman beat a man at poker? Obviously. And outplayed I mean, him. obviously. Arguably she just outplayed him yes. and she was clever. Um, but what they've discovered is that while this is all going on, one of the employees at the casino has swiped chips from her pile. So, so someone has actually stolen. Money from her. Fr- from her. So they're blaming her for cheating and someone's stealing Meanwhile, from her. Meanwhile, employees at the casino <laughs> have stolen from her. Oh, my God. Uh, like, when sport just delivers. It's brilliant. <laughs> Nothing better. Just rounding out sport this week. Yes. World Cup Women's Rugby Union started in New Zealand. Yes. And Australia played the Black Ferns in front of the biggest ever women's rugby union crowd. Oh, amazing. In Park. We lost because it's Eden Park, oh. and of course, I was and like, you oh, now maybe, know maybe we'll no, win at Eden you now Park. Know that we don't win at Eden. No, Park. we don't win at Eden um, Park, and we actually played really well. We just lost players at key moments, and then the whole thing blew out. But that's going on, and that's well worth watching over the next couple of weeks. The Matildas had a solid win against South Africa. Their coach is really happy. He sort of said that's the first time I feel like we've played a whole match Mm. and we've played it well, I guess. And I'd not really thought about this. They're always dealing when they're doing these international matches, they're having to pull players from different parts of the world who are playing soccer for different teams. And it must be very hard to get some solid team cohesion together. Mm. And so he felt like they'd had five solid days, had had good preparation that they were finally starting to demonstrate who they could be as a team. To really gel. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's a kind of important period of time because we're less than a year out from the World Cup. We are 284 days. Ooh, good statistic. Yeah, I was really, I found that and I was like, write that down. <laughs> yeah, 284 days. Till yeah, the it makes it sound professional. Well, because we talk a lot about the Olympics and that's in 10 years' time. Yes. And we kind of got to focus on what's happening. It's, I mean, it's good to plan. Yes. We should be planning, but we've got to focus on what's happening next year and that's the And that's World in Cup. Australia. Yes. Amazing. It's and it's women's soccer is having such an incredible moment. Well, Sam Kerr is like, what a role model. Yes. And overseas in the European leagues, you're seeing some of the biggest crowd turnouts ever for wow. women's sport, like awesome. breaking records all around. It's going to be huge for the rest of the world. And I think in the next 12 months, Australia's really got to get on board with the fact that we're hosting this huge event. This might be a really dumb question, but is there a women's league in Australia? Yes, there okay. is. Okay. But I don't think it has anywhere near the prominence yeah, that you see in the European and the US leagues. Yeah, okay. I think structurally, and it would be good for us to talk to experts yeah. in the next couple of months about this, but structurally soccer in Australia doesn't have the investment mm. that it needs to perform at the level that you're seeing in some of the European and it feels um, like a natural next step in terms of women's sport in Australia because, the, you know, we've got the AFLW. It's such a huge opportunity. NRLW, it feels like soccer would be that natu- natural next step. Yes. Yes. We haven't spoken about Essendon's little moment. Oh, my goodness. This week. <laughs> yes. Where they hired a CEO for 36 hours and then thought, not the greatest idea. Yeah. So Andrew Thorburn was the former CEO of NAB. 
Yes. Who got absolutely done in the Banking Royal Commission and he stepped down, I think, as part of that process. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Good tidbit of information. So he was then also, he was hired as an Essendon CEO. He was part of the recruitment process to find a CEO and then they decided that actually he could just be a CEO. It's not great from a process perspective. And then they announced him. And then they announced him. And it turns out he's the chairman of a church and not, and not, um, not I guess, not a mainstream Christian church that has some very um, interesting views. Conservative. Around uh, homosexuality. They're very homophobic views and they're very anti-abortion. Yes. And they were found to be in direct conflict with the views held by the AFL. Mm. And so the decision, he was, it was put to him that he needed to either resign as the chairman of his church in order to stay on as the CEO of Essendon. So it wasn't saying to him, you have to abandon your Christian faith Mm. or your Christian values, but it did say if you hold a position in the church, then we're asking you to choose one or the other and he chose to continue on in his position at the church. Yeah, and he kind of indicated that it was unfair that he – had to choose between his, his he what he was describing was his faith and his yes, work. Yes. But the reality, well, I mean, not the reality. I mean, the argument can be made that that could be religious discrimination. I'm sure in some in some areas that might be the case. I don't know. But he's, he's not, not, they're not saying that he can't be part of that church. No. They can't, they're not saying that he can't attend his church, but. Or when, hold those views. Or hold those views. That's like all fair enough. But when you are forward-facing role of a, you know, very prominent football club and, you know, you were part of the AFL. It's been through quite a bit. It's been through so much controversy already. Yeah. And it's not like you're just part of that church community. It's you are a chairman. He's come out and said, look, they're the views of the church. They're not necessarily my views. He hasn't said what his views are. Okay. But he's made the decision. Mm. And he's made it, I don't know, he had the opportunity to really tone it down. Mm. He could have made it whatever he wanted to and he, he chose to make it about religious freedoms, mm. religious views, religious freedoms. And he, he kind of indicated that you couldn't be a leader in Australia these days with while yes. holding religious Yeah, views. and I think that's... Which I, is obviously not the case because Scott Morrison was our Prime Minister for yes. many, many years and a very prominent... Yes. Like he was a very prominent churchgoer. Yes. Very clearly had his faith. So he was literally the leader of Australia. <laughs> yeah. I think Andrew Thorburn could have made it whatever he wanted. He's chosen his faith. Yeah. That's fine. But I think to then make it like he's being persecuted for his yeah. religion is just a step too far. Yeah, I mean, it's just another controversy that the AFL just do not need. Yes. I... What have you been watching? Oh, can I just quickly, because I know you've got a very exciting thing to talk about. Um, My thing that I'm watching, I just started watching a documentary on Netflix called Human Playground. Oh. Like I've only only watched one episode, but. It's an um, early recommendation. It's the kind of stuff that I love. The first episode's talking about breaking the pain barrier. And like, it, it just kind of talks about why humans play and you know, in terms of sport, in terms of challenging ourselves physically, like why do we push ourselves to the absolute 
brink to play essentially so the one of the first parts was this lady who had had a car accident when she was very young she'd lost a leg had gone through countless surgeries and she was doing this ridiculous ultra marathon which is basically a marathon a day for six days in Morocco I believe over sand dunes and like in the searing heat and just understanding that mindset like why do we do that what what is that about humans that we just want to to do things like that to our bodies and absolutely fascinated by it highly recommend so it's on Netflix Netflix human playground is it like one drop a week or is it already all there it's already all there very good. Just couldn't stop yourself. No, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really nice segue into this, which was while you were watching that, I <laughs> you were watching the nat- National Press Club. <laughs> I am such a nerd. I have no. You listen to the cricket on the ABC. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you listen to the cricket. It's in- yeah, this is who I am. I watched the National Press Club this week, which was Kieran Perkins promoting the Australian Sports Commission's ten-year strategy. So Kieran Perkins, former amazing 1,500-metre Olympic gold medalist. Yes. Iconic swimmer. Iconic. Um, Who doesn't remember 1996, the 1,500? He actually spoke about that race and because things went really poorly for him in the lead-up. Um, and how, He only just made the final. He was in lane eight. Yes, and how Greg Norman came over and oh, said a, word, a few words to him. The shark. Yeah, before he <laughs> went on to then win the gold medal. It's really cool. He is now the CEO of or the head of the Australian Sporting Commission. So the Australian Sports Commission is a government, I guess, funded commission. Okay. Sits under probably the sports. I mean, commission. I say K as yeah, though I don't know, but yes. Except except mine's facts. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kieran Peckins is the head of it or the CEO. It looks after the AIS. It funds all the Olympic and Paralympic athletes. I mean, there's not a lot of funding but there is some Some. funding and it's responsible for looking at um, how sport is structured in Australia yeah so that's sort of the the setting and he I think he's been in there for about 12 months now yeah not long and my overriding take of watching him was thank goodness there's a grown-up in charge yeah you know how quite often you look around you go like god who who said that we're old enough to now be in charge. Well, I'm really glad that Kieran's in charge. Kieran Perkins is one of them yeah. because he was impressive. He s- sat there and said, "We've got yes, we've got ten years until the Olympics." It's he's referring it to as, and I think it has been referred to as the green and gold runway. Mm. Um, and he said, "And if we don't make the most of this opportunity, it's been totally wasted. We've got some great events coming up, and we need to really." look at what sport is in Australia. One of the biggest things, and I loved this about what he was saying, was that he's looking at the Australian Sports Commission and what they're doing, not just from a competitive and elite perspective, and and that's what the AIS is about, but he is passionate about involvement in sport. Mm. And he sees involvement as being more than just people on the field. And this is these are the facts you never hear. Australia's volunteer community for sport is our biggest volunteer group wow. nationwide. It's something like three million people. I'm actually, That's amazing. Which is almost twelve percent of our population. Wow. So twelve percent of our population are involved by in sport from a volunteer 
perspective. I just would not have imagined that. Right? Mm. That is incredible. But I mean, it kind of, like it kind of makes sense because we yeah. are such a sport. We're a sports mad country. We're a sports mad country and that's a way for people to get involved. Yeah, and his thing is we need to recognize that involvement in sport is more than just you being on the field. Mm. Because the benefits we get from involvement are huge. Mm. Like it has a great impact on our gross domestic profit. Sport is a worthwhile investment. It has social returns, mental health returns, physical health returns. It's it's one of those rare things where you put in you invest in sport and you touch so many other industries and sectors Mm. in in a really positive way. He also spoke about the fact that by the age of 12, 70% of Australian children are participating in organised sport. Ah. So cool. Amazing. By the age of 20, only 20% are still involved. And he's like, that's a problem. At a time when you We agree. Thank you, Kieran. The sport social agrees with you. (laughs) Or maybe you agree with us. I don't know. (laughs) So he he made the really valid point. At a time when teens and tweens need something like sport more than ever, Mm. we lose 50% of them. But that transition phase from school out of into university or work or whatever, that like that's when we need it the most. Exactly. I know. Again, thank goodness a grown-up turned up. I'm like because Kieran's been in, you know, the corporate world for a million years now and has primarily worked in finance and in banking and things like that. And, like, not that I didn't expect to agree with him, but I'm just amazed at how much I just resonate with everything that he says. And I haven't actually watched the press speech, which you're encouraging people to to do now, which I will. You can get it on the ABC. <laughs> <laughs> um, what a shock. But – I yeah he and I just love that he's really like obviously he has that high performance side but so much of what he's talking about and so much of clearly what he's passionate about is that inclusion involvement grassroots community yeah part of sport which is what it's about he sees participation as being as important as competition yes and I don't think you see that spoken about enough or no. highlighted enough we. We do focus a lot on competition, but he's saying don't lose sight of the participation. You've got to invest in that because from a from a social perspective, that's just that's so important. It just impacts everything. If you if you get that social community grassroots level thing right, your elite level is going to go from strength to strength. Exactly because you grow that population. Well, and that was the other thing he said. If you get grassroots right, you are getting a more inclusive. Uh, sport you're getting more representation in sport of all parts of our population because he came in and had a look and and looked at olympic teams and um, commonwealth game teams and while they were fabulous and they did a great job they're not particularly representative of our australian community Mm. and we need to do better there amazing one of the journalists asked him about whether these views that we keep seeing bubbling up in sport around women's participation and racism, he was asked whether is it just a case of we've just got to wait till those old views die out. Mm. And he was. <laughs> you mean like literally die? <laughs> yeah, kind of. And he was really agitated and just said, that is not good enough. Mm. I am not. If, if in 10 years' time these views are still held, 
and we're still seeing that happen, then we haven't done a good enough job. Awesome. And he sits there and says, look, I'm a white middle-aged male. I get it. I don't, I'm not representative, but I will make sure that our sports are inclusive and they're representative and everyone can be involved. I'm literally going to go watch it now. It is so good. I mean, I'll finish the podcast, but like. (laughs) Can we keep talking? (laughs) While we're watching, let's rewatch it together. We can do a viewing party. Oh, God. The, the, the sports, two of us. the sports social. No, no our first event. The first event that we ever do. Oh no! <laughs> Just to really understand what our vibe is. <laughs> but I think if you see Kieran Perkins talking on the news or on breakfast TV, just listen. Just mm. take that two minutes and go and listen to what he's saying because he's he's got it pegged. He knows what he's talking about, and he's a great advocate for mm. sport in this country. Amazing. We're out. Done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you at home listening. Wherever you're walking, you might be walking, you might be driving, you might be picking the kids up. Could be folding the washing. Hopefully you weren't picking the kids up while we were talking about anal probes, but that's okay. Um, Let's wrap this up. keep this moving Um, (laughs) uh, if you are on instagram we are at the sports social podcast we really appreciate any time that someone rates and reviews us on your podcast app because that really allows us to be more visible in the charts and hopefully have other people find us and listen to what we're about have a great week see you next week